I do appreciate that. You do a good job for me. We also use you over to shop. And uh, you seem to have just about everything rolled up in one neat package at Frontier Towing. Frontier Towing's number, in case you haven't been listening to this show, is 748-1100. 748-1100. Write it down. Put it in your dash. Put it on a post-it note. Put it on a piece of tape and staple it to your dash so that you'll have it just in case something happens and you need a towing service. You can't beat them. They've got – how many trucks you got over there? About 30? Oh, yeah, 25, 30 different types of trucks for different types of tows, you know, four-wheel drive recoveries or dump truck tows or tractor trailers or container sheds, motorhomes, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Airplanes, done airplanes before. Yep. Picking up animals in washes when you have to. Picking up animals in washes, I've done that too. <laughs> That's, yep. Those are interesting jobs. He's he's attended large animal technical rescue training with uh, SAMSAR, which is Southern Arizona Mounted Search and Rescue. Uh, Jim's a big player in that for us, and we do appreciate it. Uh, the training at uh, when you actually have a truck out in the in the desert with you, hanging on the side of a bank, and you're getting an animal out. It is that training that you helped us with is absolutely invaluable. I mean, there, you can't put a price on that because it shows everybody what you have to do, and it's just it's a complete training for that particular specialty. So thank you, sir, for that. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, well, not a problem, Jerry. All right. So is there any particular hot subjects that you want to cover this morning now that you was out? I talked to you, what, yesterday, and you are riding around in your truck picking people up. Yesterday I was riding around picking up people, picking up, <laughs> picking up stuff. Uh, I don't know. I was just I was thinking about it that you were asking me what I, uh, what, uh, what was interesting about towing, and uh, I was I was thinking about some of the jobs we've done over the years, and and um, I thought, well, I'll, maybe I'll share a story about a about a uh, a car in a pool in a swimming pool. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you believe it? You know, pe- people do all kinds of things, but, you know, sometimes it's the interesting stuff where you get the – we got a call from a sheriff's department one day with a with a woman who drove into a swimming pool. So she was driving down – this was up on the north side of town. She was driving down the road, and the road kind of went straight, and she decided to go left, and she went uh, left right through the block wall, through a block wall, and into the swimming pool. So when I, when I took the call, uh, you know, you're trying to get as much information as you can, and it's pretty limited. Uh, you're, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to understand is it just like is it just hanging on the pool? No, 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 no. It's completely submerged. Eight foot pool, all the way in the bottom. Oh my gosh! And I was like, wow. Well, yeah, that's what I said. Oh my gosh! I'm like, hey, is everybody okay? So they they got the woman out. She got out okay, and she was she was uh they took her away. She was uh I think she just had a little bit of a little bit of health issues, but uh, she she turned out good. Yeah. So we we go up there, and um, there's a hole. No, there's a hole in the middle of the wall. It's one of those, you know, it's a six foot wall decorative block, so it's 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 pretty sturdy, but it was completely gone. We had to clear the clear the debris out of the way so we could back a, a heavy. We had to bring a big truck in there, big a big semi, you know, big truck to haul semis with. Because you got to reach over and pick the car 
out of the pool, okay? Not just kind of off the pool. And you got to pick it out of the pool so you don't damage the pool. You don't want to drag it up over the side and, and wreck the plaster, right? <laughs> and, of course, you don't, you don't think about this, but, you know, you can't just back up to a swimming pool. You'll, cut, you'll knock the sides in because the, the truck's too heavy. Exactly. So we go. <laughs> I know that. So much. we go. Yes, yeah, so do I. But you know, if you don't know, it's it's kind of interesting. So we go up there, and and you know, so there's you know, it's not just one person. There's a whole crowd around because this is like the whole. This is like the whole day. You know, it's a Friday night. Everybody's hanging around. There's Mister and Mrs. Homeowner there, and Mister and Mrs. Homeowner is not very happy. Mister Homeowner, he's. He's okay, you know. He's comforting with his, you know, his his liquid courage Budweiser. So he's he's in pretty good shape right now. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so yeah. So we we back in there. So when you when you go to a job like that, you got to prep the site. You know, you got to kind of you have to put down some some dunnies or some wood so that you so you don't sink into the ground because you don't know where right. the pipes are at for the pools. You don't want to you know or you don't want the truck to break break through the pipes. That, that you know for the filters and all the, the all the plumbing and stuff, so you got to kind of set that all up and get and you got to stay far away from the pool. So then it's you got to look at, you got to look at the the site and as you look at it, you got to figure out how to how to pick this thing out of the pool. So normally you have to get in there and put straps around it, and of course, who gets nominated for the strap installation? Well, that's me. So it's this is an October time frame. And I'm going to tell you, I, it might be a little a little warm outside, but that water was dang cold, really cold. <laughs> so I, so, so I got I got I got I got you know strip down to my almost my birthday suit and put on a set of coveralls, dive in. Now you know when you're driving a tow truck, you know there's a, a basic equipment checklist that we have, and one of them is you know chains, straps, you know. Uh, lights, flashlight, fire extinguisher. Nowhere on the basic equipment list does it say scuba mask. You know, we <laughs> scuba mask is not. We do not check that off. Nor scuba gear. That is not part of our basic list. We do not carry that stuff on the truck. <laughs> so now we got to jump in the pool. You know, I haven't been swimming in a long time. So swim in the pool and. Swim down to the bottom, or swim down to, to where you can get the door open, because you got to open the doors mm-hmm. to uh, to get into the car, and then put the strap through. Oh wait, you can't just put the strap through the car. You got to put it through the doors, otherwise the doors hang out and and get caught in the pool. Right. So you got to put the you got to put the windows down, or you got to get the windows down. And let me tell you something. I don't know if anybody else has ever tried this, but swinging a hammer underwater doesn't work too well. You just can't get it moving that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are. You're thinking, well, I could just, you know, kind of pop the glass. No, that's a, that's a no go. So, so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna think I'm crazy. So I turn on the key because you know, and lo and behold, it, it powers up, and I roll the windows down uh-huh. while underwater. I, I, I was thankful for that. So, so you, you go in there, and you put, we had to put two big straps on this thing. Strap around, you know, go through the interior and strap it around and hook to the cable at the top, right? So I'm in there, and I'm putting one strap in, and I get to back up, you know. And, okay, you got to do this while holding your breath. 
You know, I haven't been swimming in a long time, and holding my breath underwater is not like I'm a professional. So, you know, I only got like 30 seconds or a minute of time. While you know, you see those guys in the movies where they're under and under the water for like five minutes. Yeah, no, that ain't me. Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Put the strap in, <laughs> back up, grabbing a breath of air, go back down. You know, some of this takes it takes about you know I don't know 45 minutes or an hour to get these straps on. So as I'm doing this, Mrs. Homeowners, uh, you know concerned about her pool but she's like hey can you check the glove box for the insurance paperwork i need to get insurance paperwork for this thing i'm like ma'am i am not searching this car underwater for paperwork or registration okay let's just get it out of here first so you get it so you get it strapped you get the car strapped and you get it hooked up well you know i don't know if you know this but you know, the car is pretty light when it's in the water, but when you pick it up, it's full of water. So it's not just like That's a right. 2,500 or three. Yeah, it's not a 2,500-pound car. It's a 7,000 or 8,000-pound car. So you got to pick it. You, while Lord. you're strapping, you, you got to open the door and then put it on. You know, you got to leave it kind of open or put it on the first click, the first door click, uh-huh. so that when you pick it up, the uh-huh. water will run out. So it takes about it takes about 30 minutes to, to raise it out of the water. So, so the water will run out of the car, and so you can pick this thing uh-huh. up, right? So, oh wait, right. Let, one more thing: you got to put a lanyard on on your car. You got you got to actually strap a, a a rope to it to the bumper because when it comes up, it's going to start swinging because it's just free, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll, it'll swing around. Right. So you got to have somebody there holding the rope, keeping the keeping the car from swinging around and hitting the the walls or the trees or the power wires. So you pick it up and hold and hold this cable. You know, you hold your hold your basically a lead rope, Jerry. You got the lead rope attached to the car, and you're holding the lead rope, yep. trying trying to keep the car from for, you know from pulling back on you. You know, and you know holding the horse down with a lead rope. How that's sometimes not really all that effective, but you do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're holding we pick this car up you know and get it up out, out of the water so we get it up out of the water it's over the pool so now you got to get the car from over the pool out to the street so how do you do that you so now you got to get in the truck and drive the truck forward very slowly trying to make sure you don't hit the overhead wires that are hanging above your head and hope that oh you don't, get, you know, and you got to clear the wall, you know, because you got to remember this car is hanging off the back of the tow truck. It's hanging off the back of the tow truck, right? And it's hanging perpendicular to the tow truck. So it's not in line. It's hanging, you know, crossways. So now it's 20. Oh, my God. You know, so, so it won't fit out the opening that it went in. So you got to lift it over the wall <laughs> and, get, and, and inch it out, you know. So when you start moving, I know that the crane guys are really good at this, but not me so much. But they don't have to move the cars around on a truck. So that thing is, you know, swinging in the air. So you have to be really, really careful about swinging it. So your guy with your lanyard there, he's out there, you know, trying to hold this thing. And, you know, he's 200 pounds against 3,000 pounds. So he's doing his best. So you get it chained down to, and up to the truck to where you can kind of kind of get it. You have to put your strap on the truck so you can kind of hold it up against itself so it doesn't move too much, and then you gingerly walk it out the yard and get it to the ground where you can where you can put it on the ground and then take it on a tow truck and haul it away. And that takes about four hours. That whole process takes I, about four hours. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> 
Holy well, you, cow. <laughs> so when you're doing that in the middle of the night, because, you know, because you start at 6, because it doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen in the middle of the day. These things happen like at 6 o'clock in the evening when people are going home. And, and you know, <laughs> by the time you get down, it's 10, you know, and it's cold. And, you know, I'm cold because I've been sitting, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been swimming all, all night. <laughs> so, um, but once you get that out, that was, that was kind of an interesting ordeal because you got, you know, um, you get, the other part is you get an audience, which is, you know, I'm not really great at working with audiences. I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need a bunch of people that are cheering me on. Cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm afraid I'm going to screw up in a big way. So. <laughs> But those are the kind of when you ask me how much what the what the interesting stuff is, those are the kind of interesting jobs you get. Where you get, oh my god! So you, you know, did you, you, you get the insurance paper out of the dash? Well, we so, got the car on the ground. Get the straps off of it. Get out the door. Get the door open. And no, there was no insurance card in the car. In the car. Uh-oh. And I'm, so that, that, I, that's a good point. So, so Miss Homeowner was, you know, now by by this time, Mister Homeowner, you know, he's him and his friend Budweiser had had six opportunities together to to actually come together and be more be one with each other. So he was not worried in the least. Right. This Homeowner was was not was not unworried. She was very worried. And so, so the whole time we're there, uh, the police are there because you know cause you're kind of in the middle of the road. You can use your back in here. Um, so he gets her a police report and writes it up and hands it to her, and and um, she takes it, you know, unhappy and um, doesn't know what she's going to do with her wall, a hole in the wall, because you know you got a hole in your wall. You got to go get a some boards and and uh, board it up now. But um, no, there were no insurance papers in the car. I think the 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 lady who was driving it just forgot to put them in there. So um, yeah. I assume it all got rectified because once I got the car on the ground, we we loaded up and and left. What kind of car was it? It was you know what it was a Buick. Mm-hmm. Century. It was a it was about a ninety, like a ninety eight or a two thousand Buick Century. So it was a you know it was a a full good full size car. You know it wasn't a Honda Civic. Yeah. It was it was a nice heavy oh. car. So. That's a lot of, yeah, but, lot of water to pull out of that pool. That's a lot of water. You know, another thing that was really interesting to me, I, I noticed, is that so you get all done, and there was no there was no oil in the pool. The 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 engine was sealed up good enough that the oil hadn't leaked out because you think you know the water's going to get in the motor, the 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 water, the oil is lighter than the water, and you know it it's going to float, right? There was no water in the pool, and the gas, no water or gas, and the gas, no gas, yeah. And yeah, no, no water. I was really quite amazed at that. I figured there'd be a big slick there, but there wasn't. So, a testament to GM wow. on that car. Wow, wow. <clears throat> well, how bad? How bad was the car? Front end tore up pretty bad from going through the wall. It had surprisingly. It had it had a smash windshield. Okay, come from yeah. from going through the wall. The front end was the the hood was um was 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 not was not dented. You know, it was it was dented and scraped up, but it wasn't. It was intact. The headlights and everything were still intact on the car. The bumper was oh. the bumper was pushed in. Yeah. The and the, the drive the driver was okay, right? 
the driver was okay. Yeah, they they got so this is I would love to see that part. You know, you the driver got in the pool. Um, you know, they got her out. You know, so she was okay. That's nobody else got wet. <laughs> nobody else got wet. It was just me. Just me and the driver. So they, wow. they her out and she was okay. I think I think like I said, I think she just had a medical issue or something. It wasn't you know, she wasn't doing yeah. anything wrong. She was just driving down the road. Right. And you know right. she just decided she wanted to go left that day. And that I mean what was really amazing is though it was one of those little decorative walls, you know, it was about six foot high, but it's two inch block. Yeah. And you couldn't have, yeah. you couldn't have cut the hole in the wall with a with a with a saw <laughs> any cleaner. <laughs> I was like, Wow, this is pretty wow. amazing. But wow. when you're driving into a situation wow. like that, you got to, you know, there's there's a there's a, you know, there's the 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 foundation for the wall, right? The the stump wall. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to mm-hmm. cut off all the rebar so you can drive over it. otherwise you're going to have a flat tire. So you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to bridge it up and, and get over it. So those those are kind of some of the interesting jobs you get, you know, from time to time when when you're out there working, you know, because you, you just never know how where cars are going to wind up. Cars wind up in all kinds of places. Good lord, do you do any recovery uh, on cars that uh, during monsoon season when we actually had one, where they float down the river? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have. I've 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 pulled cars out of out of out of the washes. Um, but what happens? There, there's a two there's a twofold process there. There's the cars that that get stuck, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but um, um, when you drive across the the when you drive across a road that has running water, on, on under the water, unbeknownst to you, but known to the everything else, there's sand. The sand rolls across the, the pavement, right, or across the dirt, right. and that right. sand acts like acts like ball bearings. You, it, it just it just basically takes your car and it just takes the the adhesion from your tire to the to the asphalt and it just makes it go away, and your car just starts sliding. And there is no stopping it right. because the water pressure is very very strong. Yeah. So there's 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 two methods. One, you know, the car will get pushed and it'll get pushed kind of sideways, and then it'll get down, and so the nose is down uh, of the car because usually the front end goes down first. It'll get down, um, and so the car will get kind of stuck, but not too bad. It's not like the compartment's full of the passenger compartment's full of mud. It's just stuck in the mud. Um, um, engine's ruined because it's all full of water now. But but those aren't too bad. You can go in there and, and pull, and you can hook up to those and pull them out. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's when you get uh, a good a good storm and somebody catches a car, a, a storm catches a car and pushes it a quarter mile down the wash. It's full. It's completely full. I, and this is this absolutely amazes me. It, it's full top to bottom, front to back of mud. Okay, so. When you get to one, even if the windows are up, the interior compartment is full of mud. The trunk is full of mud. The wow. engine compartment is full of mud. The stuff, the water just seeps right through, and it gets it gets right through all the door jams, and all the mud gets in there. And then once the water goes away, the water evaporates out of the mud, and the car is completely full. I've, I've seen them full, you know, seats covered, instrument clusters covered, just full of mud. That car wow. now went from... 2,000, 2,500 to 15,000 pounds. It's like a solid chunk of concrete. And 
Usually on those, if they're not, you know, buried all the way under, you know, if they're not buried in the water, in the, in the sand. So a lot of times they'll get them as the, because the car is heavy, the water erodes out, uh, erodes the sand out from underneath and it just starts sinking. Okay. And I've been to them where they're, you know, just the top of the car showing. And now you need a backhoe to dig that out. I've been to those. I've dug those out. <laughs> and you're and of course the car is Jeez. young. <laughs> yeah, so you know, that's, right. that's not a that's not like a five minute Go ordeal. Ahead. That's a that's a multi day that's a multi day ordeal. That's a that's a mini yeah. mini day ordeal of, of digging a car out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a law that most people should know if they don't. If uh, you go through a barrier on the, that, where they have the road blocked out and you get in a wash and it washes it washes the car down, um, there's a stupid motorist law that they can actually fine you for that. And I've, I've seen a lot of stuff buried out there, search and rescue. I've actually been posted at road uh, crossings where the bank for the uh, Tanka Verde is collapsing and of course you get people out there they want to see the russian water and they they get too close to the bank we've been assigned to where we actually stay out there and keep people back from the bank because the bank they don't realize what kind of pressure that water has i have seen a rock roll down from mount lemon when it rained hard up there come down into toward tanker verde and I, I'm going, what the heck is that? That's the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. Well, it was until the rock got by me, come right right by me in the wash. And that son of a gun, about a third of it was out of the water. It was as big as a Volkswagen. I could not believe that water had that kind of power. And so for people that go, 18 inches of water will float a car. So if you've got any, especially in the volume and the rate that it's coming through, is a big player. But uh, and people, I, I see these big four befores. Now you can help me out on this. The big four befores that go in there and they got these balloon tires, these thirty fives and stuff on them, and they say, "Oh, I can just go right on through there." Well, that's thirty five tires. You put four of them on one of these big trucks, you've got a six thousand, sixty five hundred, maybe a seven thousand pound truck. But you got four b- balloon tires on it full of air. And people think you can just drive those things right on through there, and they will not hydroplane or anything. Man, they're just really good. That's a bunch of crap. It'll float them right it, out. It floats them right out. Yeah, all-wheel drive does not count in the water. It, it, all-wheel drive, no. four-wheel drive, it, the water does not care. It does not care if you have four wheels spinning or not. It, it really doesn't. To be honest with you, what you really need this is what um, this is what the farmers do when they when they work in situations like that. They have wheels that actually go to a knife edge, so they have these big steel wheels that go down to a little tiny knife edge, so that it, so that there's you know so that it sticks on the ground. So if you had you know, if you have less contact because there's less area to move move the car away, a less floating area like the like you said the big thirty five tires, you know it's just big like big air balloons, you know, on your truck. Just it just it just lifts them right out because well the tire is going to float. And um, yeah. if you had if you had st- solid steel tires that were really thin, you'd have a better chance. Now, granted, yeah. it's not going to do too well in the mud because it's going to spin, but. Um, 
But yeah, all-wheel drive doesn't care. Um, water doesn't care about all-wheel drive, or it doesn't care about you either. It, it don't don't mess with it. It it does not care about you. It has no feelings. Well, after what we've seen in search and rescue and I've heard over the years, I've been doing search and rescue for about 34 years. And on some of the water rescues, what used to get me is the people that will actually get a, a canoe or a tube and go tubing in a tank of verde with that water running. They don't understand what you see on top is not necessarily what's a foot down. I've seen trees come through there. I've seen railroad ties. Um, fence post is dragging barbed wire with it. Um, it's just, it's dangerous. And to see people riding an inner tube down, most of the time it's down towards I-10. And, uh, oh my gosh. I mean, these people get on those things and they ride it and ride it and ride it and ride it and ride it. And then they come off and of course they come up missing. And if they're lucky, they'll, it'll throw them over against the bank and they'll be able to get out. But I agree with you that that water, rushing water in in these ravines and stuff, is not something you want to mess with. I mean, especially when you get down to the uh, where all the water comes down at one time, and um, or it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. My my parents actually had a house that had Tankerverde washes their back lot, and we used to Whoa. when I first moved here. Like you said, the water would run down the wash. And there are trees, you know, 18-inch diameter trees floating down the wash, you know, moving at 30 mm-hmm. miles an hour. Um, and mm-hmm. everything, just debris and rocks, and it, it, you could just watch stuff just get mowed down as, as, as the debris goes flying down the wash. It's, a, it's incredible. It really is incredible. I heard a stat one time that said that uh, when, the, uh, the, when the water is running like that, it changes the bottom. It changes the bottom of where the water crosses every two seconds or something like that, uh, depending on the speed of the water. But it actually changes the bottom. And Tank Verde, after a big rainstorm and it all settles down, you got a little re- little water residual water running down here. <clears throat> uh, you also have sinkholes. You have uh, you can. I, I rode a horse across one. She's sixteen hands high, which is tall. And uh, the water stream was about eight inches wide. I thought, well, this would be a good, safe place to cross. And I crossed, and it was a sinkhole. She went all the way into the top of the saddle horn on this horse. And I bailed oh off God. in front of her and with the lead rope, and I just kept screaming and hollering at her until she plowed her way out. And then I'm thinking, all right, now how do I get her back on the other side? Because that's where we've got to go. And uh, so I actually extended, the, took my range and tied them onto the lead rope just to get some range on it so she didn't take off going down someplace else and get in trouble. And I walked down and started walking through that stuff and said, I, until I quit sinking in to my knees. And then I took her down there and brought her across. But uh, we've been on the search uh, in the tank verde when the tank verde just finished running. And we actually had spotters from the foot troops in search and rescue to go out in front of us. And, I, I mean, we covered one mile, and it took us probably 45 minutes to cover a mile or or less just to get out of the wash once we were in it because we couldn't get out of the wash because both sides of it had sinkholes in it. And it was just, it, it was something that you got to respect. Anyway, uh, 
that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But uh, <laughs> if you're out there playing in the water, and the reason I brought that up is because, you know, we're supposed to get a little bit of water coming in, but I see so much of that stuff, and it involves vehicles. When you bury a vehicle in the wash, when you drive in, in one like Cross Tank or something like that, and you've got the water running in it, and you've got these big turbos on these diesels, that, that <laughs> turbo inlet is about, what, 18 inches off the ground on a, a three-quarter ton truck, and it's a vacuum cleaner. It sucks that water in there, and when you that water gets through that turbo into the engine, you get a water does not compress, and it locks it down. It bends rods. It blows motors, and that's while the engine's running. If you're lucky, as the second you hit the water, and the water comes, it'll it'll kill the engine. And then, if you're lucky, but normally it, it don't take that much. We're talking a few seconds. So when you're driving and you're flying down these roads and you see, especially at night, and you see the water running across or it's been raining, you assume the water's running. And when you go down a road that you've been traveling every day and all of a sudden the white line disappears and everything else is nice and shiny, don't cross that son of a gun. Until you find out what it is. It may be one inch. It may be 12 inches. But you just have to pay attention. It's really critical because if you damage that vehicle, you're going to hate yourself because that's a lot of money to try to repair one. Most of the time it takes another engine. Uh, and then your flush process, uh, flushing the differentials, the transfer case, uh, the transmission, and then you have to go in and repack all your bearings and stuff, the ones that are repackable. You have to, and differential fluids, of course, has to all be changed. Uh, your brake shoes has got enough mud in them. We've seen this, and you're absolutely correct on the mud. They come in when they've been running over in Reddington during the rain because that's fun to play in the mud. And uh, you've got so much mud in the brakes, the brakes don't work. I mean, it's just uh, they can't. You <laughs> you don't have a brake surface. You have a mud surface. So keep this in mind when you do this and you're running out there and you're playing and say, oh, this is cute. I'm going to go through. I'm going to splatter the guy that's coming next to me. And then you get in there and, of course, you wash his windshield with about uh, uh, 25 gallons of water at one time. Uh, when you go through these things, go through very slow and uh, don't assume that you're just going to, I'm going to hit it so fast I don't have to worry about it because I'm on a hydroplane to the other side. There's places down around, uh, what, uh, Rita Ranch, uh, back in the desert, uh, down next to Corona de Tucson, where you don't, you don't do that. You go across those little washers that they've got down there that goes to people's houses. Oh, my gosh, there'll be two foot, three foot of water in them. So, because, well, Wilmot well, Road south of, south of the prison is a good one these days. That'll start the wash will start running down there, and and people get stuck in that because they use that as a main thoroughfare now. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, it's funny you say it about packing the wheel bearings, Jerry. So when so when we go with our four wheel drive, we you know we have to go and you know get stuff out of the water. So you, we're, so we're in the water, right? So we have to come back mm-hmm. immediately. There we are. We're tearing it down to clean out the bearings. And, and so we've, this is what we actually found. So we, we'll, we'll do the teardown, clean it all out, repack them all, change the diff fluids, you know, because cause you don't, I mean, even with vent tubes, you got to check it because you could, could get a leak, a leaky seal or pinion seal or something. 
I had one. We did one day, and we took it out, and we, we cleaned it all out, and we ran it for about a week, and it started making noise. We came back, and there was more water in there. There was like it had like got yep. it had like got hidden in the in the you know in the little the little galleys there in the hubs. And I'm like, gee, many Christmas! We had to change bearings because we didn't get it all cleaned out. I mean, that's it's a when you say it's expensive after you've done played in the mud, you are not kidding. That is very expensive. It is. It is. It is. And the other thing, when you go through the water. Uh, you've got a serpentine belt on there, or and some of them still have some of the V belts on there. You stick that pulley in the water. With, just remember, you stick that pulley in the water with a V belt on there. You don't. Water does not compress. It holds the pressure, and you can take your V belts off. You can take your serpentine belts off, and when you do that, you're it's you just you're down. That's when you call 7.1100 and have Jim come out and tear his trucks up while he's pulling you out. <laughs> and and not, that is the not, Well, you, you, you take, you look at these light suspensions on these vehicles, uh, and you run it in the water, you've got light suspensions on it, then you've got to go in and pull that thing out, and you're looking for a place to hook up. How many cars... Have you went and got that had hooks on the back end, like a four-wheel drive has hooks on the front? How many of them have hooks on the back end that you can get it and pull it out just by using that? Especially when that front end is buried to the top of the fender wheels in mud and sand. None. How many times there, can there you pull one. that thing out without? Huh? None. There isn't. There. There is the only only spot on a car that has a a hook, a real spot for towing is, um, a manu. It's manufactured by the OEM. It's called a, a T hook slot, and it's not for towing. It's for transporters. When they put them, run them down the line and put them on a truck, there's a little a little oval hole that you that's reinforced that you can put a hook into, and so you can tie the car down on a transporter. So they can send the car from the factory. To the dealership, because they're not concerned about it getting stuck in the mud. That's y'all on you. They're only concerned about it getting from the manufacturer to the dealership so that they can sell it. After that, the manufacturer does not care what you do with that car. And no, it does not. they do not place extra hooks on the car just in case you think you're going to go through some mud. And this, Arizona's not the only place with mud. You think about back east where they have rain, you know, 150 inches of rain a, a year. The north, the northwest up in Oregon, Washington, they have mud and snow every day. And nope, you just have to adapt to those things and, and, and find good places to hook because, yeah, or dig, get, carry a shovel. We, that's what we do. We carry a shovel. We carry a shovel so we can dig them out, so we can get a hook on them. Yeah, but while you're digging them out, the water's filling a hole up about as fast as you're trying to dig, isn't it? Pretty, pretty much. You're right. Pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah. So you're standing there, and, you know. So you get, you know, you're there, and it's in the mud. So you, nobody wants to walk into the into the water, right? You don't. I don't know what's in the water. I, I you know, like you said, Jerry. You walk in there, stuff is floating by you. It's not like you're going to lay down and and be and and you know be able to hook the thing up while laying under the water. It, it's just it just doesn't work. You can't do it. Uh, so you know you you get the 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 person who's driving the vehicle and they're like they're standing up on the dry bank and you're like well do you want to go hook it or do you want me to hook it because here's here's the deal here's what it costs. <laughs> 
because you you can't see you can't see what you're doing it's 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 completely covered and now you got to feel around and you know you got to you got to remember you got to think about the car or the truck and you got to feel around on the bottom trying to find where you want to hook to it and you, and you have to do it all by hand cuz you can't see it there's nowhere for you to even you couldn't even if you had a scuba mask even if scuba mask was on the equipment list it's not like you could put one on and see cuz it's it's well, it's river water. It's dirty. I mean, no, it's not okay. clean. It's you know, it's not like you can see through it. So, so yeah, that's a, those are real. That's real. Those are real challenging issues. And yeah, no, they're not fun. I know they sound fun well, now, but they're not really all that fun. I I went down next to the polo club out on uh, right off of uh, what is that Houghton Road? Yeah, Houghton Road, and the wash. And I went down there because it was raining and the water was running. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to just cruise out and make sure nobody's in trouble. So I cruised out and I went in. I had a diesel. And uh, I pulled in. and But I carry a toe strap, a snap strap, 20-foot snap strap. And um, there's this guy with this old Ford pickup that had the front end. The hood was down in the water. The hind end was actually up on the backside, but he couldn't get the four-wheel drive. He sat there. The, there's no weight in the back end. It's sitting there spinning. The front end is sitting there floating and buried in the mud, and he couldn't get it out. And he says, can you give me a pullback? And I said, uh, no. And he said, well, I said, guy, I have the straps. I have the truck. And if I hook it to your rear bumper on your Ford truck, I'm going to probably take out the rear frame with it. I said, because the only way you're going to get that big son of a gun out of there, I'll, I'll try it easy and see if I can move you. But the other way is to snap it out. In other words, get a running start with about a, a four-foot slack in the line. <sighs> they call it this. And he said, Oh, no, I don't care. I don't care. I can put it back. I can put the back bumper back on. I said, I ain't talking about the back bumper. I'm talking about ripping your back of your frame out where the bumper's bolted to it. And he says, oh, no, it won't help out. I said, no, I'm going to tell you again. If I snap that thing, if that truck is going to stretch, it may, it probably will still tear your bumper off even if I can get you out of there. He says, well, no big deal. <coughs> Evidently, he owned a welding shop. And I said, all right, you want to try it for sure. Yeah, try it for sure. I said, all right, let's do it the easy way first. I will hook you up, and then I will I will put tension on the line. You get in it. You start it. You put it reverse. You make sure you're locked in four-wheel drive, and then we'll try to pull it from a, a dead pull. Well, you know how that went away, even with four-wheel drive on my diesel. And uh, I'm going, okay, that didn't work. And because he, he, the front end was buried. So he says, well, says, let's snap it. I said, are you prepared to, to accept the consequences on this? Because I'm just about 100% sure that I'm going to rip off your back bumper in your frame. He says, oh, Lord, let's go. Let's, let's, let's just do it. Okay. I said, why don't you call a tow company? Well, I just, you know, we, we can, I'll just, I'll just. And he said, let's just do it, okay? Let's just do it. He said, if we do any damage to your truck, I'll I'll repair your truck also. And this was a fancy Ford before, older truck, but fancy, you know, a lot of money put in it. And I said, okay, take a good look at your bumper because that's the last time you're going to see it looking like that. I'll just, I'll guarantee that the bumper's coming off. And he said, well, let's try it. 
Well, I hooked to it. I backed up, and I got about four foot of slack on it. And I said, start spinning. And then I jumped in the truck, put it in gear, put it in low range, four-wheel drive, and unloaded. And I'm telling you, we moved him. I got him out. Uh, but his truck was about, eh, his bumper was straight out towards mine. He ripped the right side of the frame rail off. The, he had one bolt hanging on the left side when we finally got him to where it would actually come the rest way by itself. It tore his frame. It bent his frame in the back end. And I'm going, holy cow. And I said, that's what I was talking about. And he says, ah, that's not a problem. I can put that back. But, when you're pulling these things out and you use a snap strap, boy, there's a lot of damage can come to that because when you put a 7,000-pound diesel in front of a snap strap and take a five-foot run on low range at high RPM, something's going to give. That thing's going to come out of the mud like a son of a gun or it's going to come out stretched out about, you know, how wide's the bumper? Six foot, five foot, six foot? And the bumper was straight out towards me when I come out. And I got a hold of his trailer hitch. He had one of those trailer hitches on the bumper that was inside to his frame rail. And uh, it didn't make any difference. I stretched that son of a gun out. So for people using snap straps, uh, don't underestimate that son of a gun because I'll tell you, when you hit that for 7,000 pounds on a snap, it something's going to move. It's either moving or it's coming apart. There is no, There is nothing else. And most of the time, something's going to come apart. And if we're lucky, it will move at the same time. And that's what happened to him. So See, that's, why that's we don't my do story. That that's the actual. So <laughs> that, there, that's, seen that's that. why we don't recommend it. What, that's why we don't do that. See, that's, that's, that's really counterproductive. That's why we have 200-foot cables on our truck. And uh, you can set the truck and put put the spades down, put the outriggers down, and then you hook up a winch to it. And as you winch it, you have total control. You can you can winch That's it at right. you know one inch per hour if you want. You can see how things going to bend, how it's going to move. You can see how the truck's going to slide. You can you can do all mm-hmm. the kind of things. And with two cables, you can, can you can steer it, and you can watch it. You can watch it pop up real nice and easy, real slow, real methodical. Yeah, it takes a little That's bit, right. but the damage is not there. You, I mean. I, the, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what your neck felt like when you did that. I mean, you're. I you're, cannot. <laughs> I tried everything in the world to convince this guy that you need to go with a, uh, a tow service because they. I said the same thing. They've got the cables. They'll go in. They'll hook a couple of cables to it. They can pull this thing out. You probably won't have any damage at all. And he said, yeah, but about a $350 bill. And I said, it's going to cost you more than that to put the hind end of your truck back together. Exactly. And, um, but he just he just insisted that he, he wants it out because he don't want any more damage done to the engine and stuff while it's in there. Well, when the nose is sticking down, when the hood is down in the water, you have all, and you fire that son of a gun up. You already. I, I was surprised it even started up, but um, you know, he just is his baby. And when he got out, he was tickled to death. He says, "How much do I owe you?" I'm going. You should have used a tow service. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "I'm not going to charge you a thing." 
My truck is fine. My truck is fine. But uh, And I don't know how much more or what else I could say about the damage that a snap strap can actually cause. Will they move it? Yeah, something's going to move. Something's going to move. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, my truck was moving. <laughs> but anyway, but, that's, not, but that's you, not something you want to get into. You know, when you're, when and you're, and they do that, that all the time up at Reddington Pass, these, the buddy uh, system where they use the snap yeah. straps. But in the snow country, uh, you go up there and there's four wheelers that go in the snow country. What they'll do is they'll strap the front bumper to the rear bumper of their forward truck at zero clearance. They'll jam it up against the other one. They'll tie the bumpers together and they'll put eight wheels turning on the snow and then they can go just about any place. It's amazing what those guys pull off. However, I'm going, well, you better have some kind of a bumper guard or something up front to hook up to. Yeah, no big deal. You tear the bumper off and go get another one. I'm Ooh. okay, big boys' toys. Difference in men and boys is the price of the toys. All right, 719-1490. If you've got any any comments about driving through water, you if you don't understand what hydroplaning is on the freeway at 75 miles an hour when you hit a little puddle on the right-hand side, uh, you may want to find out. People think that these trucks with these great big tires, oh, they got so much rubber on the road. When they hit the brakes, that thing's going to stop right now. Have you ever seen a four-wheel drive slide on the pavement with these big tires on it, Jim? Oh, uh, all the What kind of a, a the contact on it? They have a contact line of about three inches per tire. Yet they got a Correct. tire that's 12, 14 inches wide. But with the air in them, and the air's up on them, and no weight on the back end of a truck pickup. Those things just slide, and they make a they make a tire mark. It's not much bigger than a darn bicycle. And people think, oh, this is boy, this is really on the ground. This is really going to he can really stop because he's got all those big tires on there. And people misjudge it. No, they don't stop that quick. And then no, they the time, you're right. They have to understand that these vehicles are engineered. They come out with a certain tire size. Now, Simmons 4 before, they've made us a pretty good living by people saying, oh, I want the big tires. And I said, your hub assembly is not designed for these offset rims with these big tires on them. They weren't, it's, they're not designed for that. And they say, oh, well, you know, well, boy, they really look cool. And I said, okay, just take one of my business cards and put it in your glove box. And we see these things come in, and still, they'll come in. The bearings are shot in the front end of it. The suspension is beat out of it. Uh, they're complaining about tire rub on the fender wells and all of this because the tires are too big. They want to know if they go to a lift kit on it. And that's another little sore spot. You put a lift kit on that thing, and you change the ride height, and then you go down the road, and you all of a sudden you have to lock your brakes down, and you've got that ride height, that that height up top now. It's going to sway, and but it, it's just people don't understand. I can't explain it. I've, I've I've explained it until I can't. I don't even know how else to explain it. If you change the suspension on your truck, you put a lift kit on it. One, you got to have an alignment. You always do an alignment on it when you do a lift kit. And because everything changes, 
And, yeah, you may be able to drive it down the road, and then after about a month of driving it down the road, those big old expensive tires and rims and stuff you've got on there, then you'll see a wear pattern set up on those tires. And you think, oh, well, I'll just rotate them to the rear and they'll go away. No, they don't go away. You've done eat the rubber off of them. So you can go buy another set of tires and you can keep on driving it, or you can go ahead and have it aligned properly because I'm telling you there's going to be a buttload of shims and stuff that has to go in that, and a little center's got to be changed, and you just got to, you got a whole new vehicle. We see people that put these raised, I'm going to raise the front end, or I want to raise the truck, and I said, do a two-inch body lift. You can do a two-inch body lift on a 4 before, and on the earlier models. I don't These later models, they come with a different set of rules. But if you can do a two-inch body lift, the thing that you have to pay attention to, and it'll tell you how far you can actually lift the body, is the uh, radiator. you got to see where the radiator is going to go. Are you going to lift the body? What, what components do you have on that truck that's going to be interfered with when you lift the body? The drive shaft is going to be fine because it will not move. But you've got other little things inside the engine compartment and stuff when you go to lift in a body on one that uh, says, okay, i got an engine sitting there. It's hooked to the frame. Frame ain't going to move. And so I'm going to move the body up. What kind of interference am I going to be running up against? So it's not that simple. But you can put pretty much a two-inch on anything on the early model Fords, early model Chevys, Dodges, and you can get away without having to change everything in it. And it will give you the room, the extra room that you're looking for to get those oversized tires on there. So just be careful. But when you do a, a frame lift and you start messing with that suspension and you start putting, I've, I've seen them put seven inch blocks on the rear end held together by two U-bolts on both sides, and we see them coming in the rear end, differential running sideways because they cut the shear pin off on the spring purchase, and it it, it slides back and forth, and they'll go down the road. I drove one that come in from uh, uh, up north going like the globe, and he come in, and he said, you'll be driving down the road, and all of a sudden it'll just shift. And I said, what will it do? He said, it'll change lanes on you. And so I drove it down South Country Club, and he was absolutely correct. I turned it about five degrees, and that thing changed lanes on me, and I was running about 25 miles an hour. I could not hold it in my own lane when that differential shifted. I said, oh, I know what this is. And I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it, uh, I'm going to drive it straight for a while, see if it will recenter, and then I'll turn it around very slowly and take it back to the shop. Sure enough, it had ripped off the center pins on the uh, suspension. But he, but he had, I think it was 11 inches on that son of a gun. You could, I wouldn't drive it thing. You know, I was amazed that I even drove it as far as I did because I knew pretty much what to look for. But there, when you do a, a lift kit, you do it with springs preferred. You do it with the springs up front. You got coil springs. You go the bigger, longer coil springs heavier tension coil springs, you go the differential, you have, if you don't have the leaf springs for that differential, you can go over to uh, uh, Ivan's place over on Grant Road and uh, Arizona Spring, and you can have a set of springs rebuilt and add a couple of leaves and pick up that extra height. 
that will actually work because you don't those U-bolts will not stay with you in an emergency. They're going to move around. So that saved people a whole lot of grief when you do that because we have corrected lift kits, oh my gosh, forever. And we just tell them, this is what you want to do. And then we have the people that says, okay, I want to take the lift kit off of this and put it back to stock height. Okay, well, that's a process, too. Uh, those extra long uh, U-bolts that you have, your spring perches that you probably moved to get the right angle on it when you took it up 11 inches, you got to be put back on the differential. they got to be cut off. they got to be ground down. they got to be welded to new perches, welded back on there, and set at the angle that it the factory specification. So there's a lot of stuff involved with uh, taking a lift kit off. There's a lot of stuff involved putting a lift kit on, especially the suspension components. When you t- when you go up, once you go up about uh, three and a half inches, then you start messing with the drive shaft. The drive shaft gets shorter because the differential is still on the ground. And the transfer case is up in the air or transmissions up in the air. So now that drive shaft that you had pushed in there, the yoke going in takes two and three quarter inches to work when you have a leaf suspension. So when you take it up in the air, you pull it out, you've got maybe an inch of spline left going into the transmission or the back of the transfer case. That is not enough because as soon as you go across a railroad crossing on the 22nd Street, especially down down uh, west on 22nd. If you're running 35 mile an hour and you hit that, yep, we've got them towed into the shop. The drive shaft come completely out, fell down on the ground. And they said, "Well, we don't understand why." Well, we know, you know, and we just put it back in there. So you got you got a half an inch of spline, and that thing is going to move about two inches. You you don't have to be a mathematician to figure that out. It don't work. So uh, just keep in mind, you four-wheelers that are doing all these lifts. And the other one is the cars that go up and down. you got all the hydraulics on them. Uh, we actually had to design a drive shaft system for one of those because that son of a gun went way up in the air and then way down. And we had to build a two-piece shaft where the front shaft stays put. And then we had to use a truck coupler to get a spline long enough to where we could get to travel to stay with him when he had it up in the up position and yet work when it went down the down position without knocking the front drive shaft through the transmission so yeah it's it 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 gets into a little bit of modifications that you really need to know before you do the job or you're going to have to take that car in because we can't build a custom drive shaft for a car that goes up and down without seeing the vehicle because the measurements are so critical. So be be careful. Do your homework before you start these modifications. That I've got 45 years of experience in. So you know, and I'm just trying to pass it on so that you won't get into trouble. Because that drive shaft comes out going down the freeway. I've seen them. Jim's seen them. Uh, they make a mess, especially if they come loose. Because that's a big piece of metal. And when they come loose, they normally come loose and they don't just hit the ground and stop. They're moving when they come out of there. And they will travel. I've seen them come out of an 18-wheeler on a jack shaft, which is a front short shaft, that was white hot that come out of that diesel. 
come across me when I was going to Patagonia Lake. I had a cab over camper and a boat behind me. And as he come by, I seen the white, I seen the white shaft glowing and I backed off of it immediately. And he got just past me, maybe a truck link and that drive shaft come out and spit to the right hand side. It went across the road, still, still, still turning got on the side of the road and was burning grass as it was rolling, trying to get to a stop. It was actually starting a fire on the side of the road. The 18-wheeler did manage to get stopped ahead of me on down there, but that drive shaft was still, it was it was burning stuff on the side of the road as it come by. That's how hot they get. That's how nasty they can be. All right, we've got a, how much time we got, Andrew? Uh, you guys got a minute left. Oh, we got a minute. Oh, good. All right, Jim. You know, Jerry, you want to add? It's funny something? you say. Yeah, I was going to say it's funny you say about the drive shaft the length. Uh, we did, we did one uh, a couple months ago. A guy had a he had I think it was a, a, like an eight or ten inch lift on the on on his truck, and he uh, he called the drive shaft out, and he was going to impress his girlfriend, so he was going to do a burnout, right? You know, he punched it, and it flexed yeah. so much. It pulled the shaft yep. straight out of the slip yoke, and there she laid on the ground. Of course, of course, yep. it didn't. That's lay on the, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, we got about thirty seconds on it. Okay, so it, it didn't that on the ground, it it pogoed. It, you know, it pogoed the truck into the ground because now the truck moved forward and the drive shaft left on the ground. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, it does a lot of damage coming out because normally it rips the differential out or breaks yoke off the differential, so you get into a lot yep. of defense. All right, we got to take a break. We're here at the top of the hour, 719-1490, 719-1490. I apologize for that. Uh, coming up top of the hour, I do have two family forecasts. Today. 